0: Hello and welcome to the 15th episode of the Commander's Contingencies podcast, where today we're going to be talking about many things such as playing magic over the internet, a Krom and Ishai deck, and a Chromat snow deck. We have a lot to cover this week, and I'm going to start with the news. MTG News. While I was editing this, there were new spoilers. So Gavin Verhey released on his Twitter and he says he's going to release another one on Monday. So that would be the day that this comes out. So if you are listening to this, then then it will almost definitely be released. On Monday he says he's going to reveal another one. But he put out a two minute video with lots of hints for spoilers. So he says these are all hints for cards for new cards there's no reprints uh that he will there will be reprints in the decks but he is not none of these hints are for the reprints uh so he gives a total of eight hints and they are well i guess nine really there's a legendary creature with the first five letters spelling gavin um, so I'm not sure what that means, maybe it's like an anagram, like a word with that starts with a G, a word that starts with an A, a word that starts with a V, but I don't think it's that. Uh, I'm actually not sure if that's what an anagram is, I kind of forgot. Um, it's possible it's just rearranged the letters. So like vagine, I don't, I can't think of any way that that would work. Um I'm not sure exactly what that means, it might just be Gavin, it might just be Gavin, but it says it's a legendary creature. I would say there's not much of a hint there. Uh, Maybe if somebody can- maybe if there's a really old character from the lore. Uh, The next hint are creature types. So there's three creature type hints. There's a goat hydra, a cat nightmare, and a badger dinosaur. So these, at first look, might seem like they're not particularly helpful. The odds these give you of increased tribal is basically non-existent. But if you really think about it, you can sort of figure out what colors these are going to be. Like, badger dinosaur is either red or red-green. Goat hydra is either green or green-white. And Cat Nightmare is almost definitely uh, white-black, but it might, unlikely, but it might just be uh, green-black. So those just make it slightly more likely that we'll have those color combinations within decks, uh, which can help us figure out what exactly the color combinations are. Uh, there's there's 41 instances of quote-unquote counter and or counters among text boxes. So that means there's a lot of stuff that interacts with counters. Um, alone, that isn't too helpful. I have a theory that they're going to reprint Evolve because it fits really well with the deck, with the set, It says counter, and it just feels, it's like growing your own monsters. It feels like a great place to bring it back. It's also at a relatively good, not an amazing spot on the storm scale, which is a list Mark Rosewater made of how willing he would be to reprint uh, certain keywords. There's another one that says, there's an ability on a permanent that begins, you may pay zero rather than. So that is, again, rather open-ended, but it could be related to evolve. Um, it could be really anything. Maybe it's echo, maybe it's cumulative upkeep. We don't know. It could be so many things. It might even be a tribe. It might even be, um, I don't know. You get the idea, there's so many possibilities with that. That just is me. Because I have this theory of, oh, it's evolved, I'm looking at everything from that perspective. So everything I say is biased because I already came up with an idea. Uh, There's Magic, Magic's fourth ever trilobite, which is a creature type. And I looked at all the other trilobites and there's not much of a mechanical similarity among them. So that's not particularly helpful. And this one, this one's really great. There's the rules text. You and planeswalkers you control gain protection from that player. So this tells me, honestly, I don't think it's a stretch at all to say this just means that there's going to be a planeswalker deck. There's going to be a super friends deck. It might not be as focused as most decks are. Like the land deck, it might not be really a super friends deck but that's what they're going to be going for and it might not work that well and there might not be as many planeswalkers as usual but i do think and i'm pretty confident that there is going to be a planeswalker deck that also synergizes well not synergizes that also helps with the notion of all these counter synergies um and the final hint is there's a mono white card that lets you repeatedly ramp planes From your library onto the battlefield. Honestly, this is awesome. I can't really speculate because it basically gives me, either way it's giving me something great. The only thing, the only way I could be disappointed, which honestly I kind of expect it because they've just been continuously disappointing white, is if it's really expensive and because it's repeatedly ramping planes i feel like it's gonna be a lot of mana if it's four mana or less that is wonderful but if it's more than that then it's just really really hard to cast i don't think there's much speculation to be had but i do think that that's really great if it is actually playable so um honestly overall i think that the color combinations of the decks are either enemy colors or three color combinations um i don't really know for sure but that is my guess um it could be anything i just got some more news of spoilers while i was editing so i'm just gonna put that in so mark rosewater did an announcement And he said that there's going to be these things in the new Ikoria set, not in the new Commander deck like um, Gavin Verhey did. Magic 7th Egg, so that's great for people who play the Egg Commander. Uh, A card with the text quote-unquote four or more times this game. Uh, That's going to be irritating to track. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be, but that does seem quite interesting, and it does open up a lot of design spaces if they can track things across the entire game. I don't know exactly how that's going to work because that's just going to be really hard to remember and really hard to track. So I don't know about that. Uh, magic's largest power and toughness granting aura. Uh, off the top of my head, I can think of an aura that gives plus 10 plus 10. So we know it's going to be bigger than that. Um, beyond that, I don't know how big it's going to be. It's probably going to be extremely expensive and not really that good. But who knows? Uh, A card with the text X is the number of times this creature has mutated. Um, So if you do not know, mutate got spoiled the keyword with Surgeon General Commander. We still do not know what it does. So mutate right now, we're not sure what it does. But if I had to guess, I would say It might be some type of flip ability, maybe some type of evolve ability. Maybe some type of... Hmm. I can't remember what the ability is called, but you can tap it and pay a certain amount of mana in order to get a plus one, plus one counter on it. Mana? So I'm not sure exactly, but there's a lot of different possibilities of what that could be. But that does make it pretty likely that there will be a mutating commander deck, which... Oh no, no! This is not a commander. This is not the commander decks. This is the, the Icoria set. Sorry, my bad. Um, and Magic's third and fourth card with zero is even. Reminder text. I do still think the odds of a mutate commander are high because they said that they used examples like an energy commander in Kaladesh to. Uh, When they were talking about these commanders. Of how they would use them to get these abilities that people wanted commanders for. Or a pirate's deck in Ixalan, etc. So I do think that they will almost definitely do a mutate deck. Which means that my theory of an evolved deck may or may not be be it. Maybe it'll just be a mutate deck. I don't know. Uh, But the final thing is Magic's third and fourth card... Oh, there's actually a lot more. Never mind. Um, Another thing is Magic's third and fourth card with zero is even reminder text. So that means that they're going to mess with the uh, odds and evens uh, mechanics, which is quite interesting. Uh, Those can be some pretty fun decks, like Yannette. It's just a very interesting thing to build around, and honestly, I like it. Because if it's a general, or if I can make it into a deck, well, I can always do Yannette. Uh It's a great way for me to get some janky cards out of the way and have synergy when the cards don't necessarily have to be playable. Plus, I do quite like that play space. It's just a unique way to look at the game in a way that you usually don't. Uh, three cards with the text, quote-unquote, different names... So like Guardian Project, um, that is, hmm, ah, uh, that's really great. I mean, it's going to be super good in Commander, and pretty unplayable anywhere else. Um, maybe it'll be playable al- elsewhere, but I kind of doubt it. Um, uh, it doesn't really give much of a hint. It's just going to be good in Commander. I think they have. Pretty good odds of printing some staples they have 12 different types of counters wow so first of all i'm gonna say mutate is almost definitely uses some type of counter not sure whether it's a plus one plus one counter maybe it's similar to oh i bet i know what it does okay so here's my guess of what mutate is You pay some amount of mana and you put a counter on it. And as long as the creature has that counter on it, it has completely different abilities. Oh, but you have to be able to do it multiple times. So as long as it has at least one, it has specific abilities and it gets plus some benefit, mostly usually pump when you've done it multiple times. That's my prediction. Um. Okay, 12 different types of counters, that's crazy. So they're definitely gonna be reprinting Proliferate, if that's happening. Uh, We've got Planeswalkers, that that should count. We've got plus one, plus one counters. We've got Mutate, we might get Evolve. That's a lot of different types of counters. We're gonna get a lot of different cards reprinted. This is gonna be, I'm actually really excited for this set because there's a lot of different things in here that are gonna help with a lot of different decks in a lot of different ways. And I think maybe maybe Atraxa will surpass Moldrotha again with this. <laughs> Atraxa will reclaim her throne! Um, that's a lot of different types of counters. Uh, I'm really excited for this set. This seems really fun. Uh, a card that says choose a kind of counter at random? What? These cards are really crazy. They do not fit with the normal design. That is quite a strange ability because that's the kind of ability you'd see in Hearthstone. So I'm guessing in in the re- in the reminder text it might have something. Maybe it just. It, it has, like, limited things in the reminder text. Or maybe choose another creature and proliferate a random kind of counter. I don't know. Honestly, I really don't see any way that this would not be horrible game design. Um, that, I don't know. I, I think they're stretching the boundaries with how they can design and I think some of it is interesting and I think some of it is not a great idea. Um, I don't know how that's gonna work. Uh, I just don't think it's gonna work great. A card with the text, remove eight foreshadow counters. I'm gonna real quick look up what foreshadow is because it, it may or may not be uh, a car, an, an effect already. Okay, so foreshadow is a card. Choose a card name, then target opponent puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. If that card has the chosen name, you draw a card. Draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. So, hmm. Um, it might be related Uh, flavorfully, it would make sense for it to be related to guessing what is on top of your library. So I'm guessing it's some type of top of library synergy. Ah, but counters are also related. That's weird. And a cycle people, players have been asking us to make for over 10 years. It says make, but I'm assuming that it is just finish. Um, I don't know, uh, a lot of the last one, I could kind of figure it out because the commander decks, they're decks, you can figure out their synergies, you can figure it out. This is like guessing the card's in a cube. I don't know really very much at all. So, I don't know. Uh, it also says, in addition, Ikoria has creatures with the following creature types. Dinosaur turtle. Uh that's probably simic. Simic has a lot of crazy creature types. Shark Beast. Probably are also simic. Demon Kraken. Uh probably blue black, so Demir. Elemental Otter. Probably also Simic could be blue red. Uh brushwag brushwag. Uh let's see. Brushwag. MTG. How many brush rag creatures are there? Um. It looks like there's a card called brush rag. When it blocks or becomes blocked, it gets negative 2 plus 2 until end of turn. I'm not sure whether there's any other cards that are brush rags. But yeah, they seem to be reprinting some crazy creature types. This is gonna be a great set. Hellion Horror? So that's probably black or, or, sorry, red or black-red. And a Nightmare Squirrel. A squirrel! Yay! Huh. So I guess that would be black-green? No, that makes sense, actually. So I don't know, this This set and these cards are going to be really crazy, but I do think it's great for them to be able to um, think about make designs with so many more cards because they have a lot of different things that they can explore. They can, because they have all these additional slots, they can print 71 new cards and they can make some synergies that will work in draft and you'll be able to make them work when you're not in draft. So, I think it's going to be an awesome set. Uh, I think it's going to be a home run, and I think there's going to be a lot of things. I feel like every person is going to walk away happy. I think it's going to be like Battle Bond. I'm honestly really excited for this set, and I can't wait for the spoilers to come rolling in. I guess it's like 10 days. Why? Why is it so long? Other than that, Magic Fests and GPs have been shutting down. Um, other than that, there isn't really any news, any official news, uh, Ikoria Spoilers are coming out on April 2nd, and, uh, there's also a lot of online play. So online play, if you don't know, is just people, well, everything on the internet really is getting played a ton because everything is shutting down due, due to coronavirus, but Basically, online play is just ways to play magic with other people over the internet. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to do this. Uh, there's Magic the Gathering Online and Magic Arena, both of which are the official Wizards platforms. Uh, these are great systems. Um, magic the Gathering Online is it's a little bit outdated, but you get all the formats, and yeah. There are also, there's also Cockatrice, Untap.in, and several Discord servers. So, I will be putting the links of a lot of these in the description, Um, but basically, the gist of MTGO and Arena are just online... You can just play the game against people and it will select other people for you to play against. Cockatrice and untap.in are the same. Magic the Gathering, MTGO, Arena, and Cockatrice are all download. So you have to download an app, and I'm pretty sure that most of them run on Windows. There's a couple of different platforms that they run on, but if you don't have the correct operating system, then you might not be able to download these. Uh, There is also Untap.in, which is, just like these, uh, a way to play over the internet without your actual cards. And you just play in your browser. So you don't have to download anything, it's completely over the internet. And you can play it with multiple decks and multiple different trading card games. Uh, There's a couple options. There's also a really fun... Uh, well, I mean, it's not really intended for that. It's more intended to be able to just, uh, be- make it so that it has a comprehensive library of cards, but you can upload cards to the database, so you can do custom cards within this. Uh, there's a lot of Discord servers on untapped.in so you can call the people, have a, have a game, and play. Uh, there's also a lot of Discord servers to play EDH, and most of those serve as platforms of webcam magic, so you'll get a camera, set it up on like a monitor or something, and it'll point down right at your battlefield, and you can then play with other people with your actual cards. Uh, It's Those are all are great ways to do it. I will put a lot of links in the description But these are all great ways to play magic if you are unable to because of the coronavirus or if you're just generally unable to and This is not really necessary to say but all of these are having massive server issues It is really difficult to get things to run at normal speed for me with IN, which is the thing that is completely on the browser. I have tried it multiple times and it has done where it has literally done nothing for me. Now, I can't claim that I have great Wi-Fi. But, I still have played multiple times and just had absolutely no success. Like it's Like, it's just not worked at all. I can't press any buttons or do anything. It's just like it's frozen, but it actually works for other people, like I'm doing things to other people. It's quite strange, actually. Point is, uh, everything is super slow, super laggy, super overloaded, because everybody is doing the same thing. Alright, uh... Also a new thing, I now have made some cringy music transitions, I don't know, I think they'll be fun. Uh, so I'm figuring that out, uh, I want to make an intro soundtrack, and I was like, okay, first I could try making it, I don't know anything about making music, and I don't even know what I'm looking for, so I thought I might like, try and pay someone to do it, but then i didn't know exactly how to do that either because i don't know what exactly what i'm looking for so for now i'm not gonna have that but look forward probably in like a month or so we'll figure something out uh all right it is time to into the decks Alright so real quick, I'm going to explain the commander quest. So the commander quest is my eventual goal in building all these decks. So I'm building like roughly 300 decks with no overlap in cards. So eventually I will have built decks with every single card in magic that is legal in commander. That is my eventual goal. That is what i'm working on and that is what these decks are a part of so if you're like why isn't this card in there it's because it's really limited and i'm trying to balance these for this scenario i'm not balancing them for play i do when that's possible and i do want them to be as close as possible to playable but i'm trying to make all of these decks that and that's really difficult so it's not any type of competitive deck um so i have two decks this week i have a crom and ishai opponents casting spells deck and a chromat snow deck so crom and ishai the com- are the commanders. So Ishai Dragon Speaker is two, a white and a blue for a 1-1 one, one legendary creature bird monk. Flying. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Ishai Dragon Speaker, And it has partner. You may have two commanders if both have partner. The other commander is crown. Ludovic- Ludovic's opus. Three blue-red for a 4-4 four, four flying haste. Whenever an opponent casts his or her second spell each turn, draw a card, partner. So the idea of this deck is to use bounce cards and cards that help me benefit from my opponents casting o- spells over and over again in conjunction. So the idea is bounce spells are spells that return permanence or even spells right back to their owners hands. So the plan with this deck is to play out Ishai or Crown or one of the many other spells that I have that gives me some type of benefit from my opponent's casting spells. And then I will just continuously bounce my opponent's permanence and they will have to recast them over and over and over again, giving me all my triggers. Uh, yeah, so that is the idea for the deck. I am running 37 lands, uh, 14 cards that benefit, and 47 cards that bounce. So if you are new, if we go in a hypergeometric distribution calculator and we put in that we have 14 cards, remember we have a 99 population size, we have 14 successes, and even in my first four turns, So that's 11 cards, we have a pretty good chance, an 83% chance, of getting one of those. So almost every single game I will get some type of benefit spell, plus I'm guaranteed to have Ishai and Krom. I've got 37 lands, so almost every single game I will be able to cast some type of spell to benefit. And then I could just start with my 47 bounce spells, making people cast it over and over and over and over again. So, that is the idea for the deck. Uh, It it seems like it would work quite well, and I am getting a lot of somewhat playable cards out of the way. I mean, bounce at the end of the day is sort of removal, so it is somewhat playable a lot of the time, but it is also sometimes really janky and yeah, you get the idea. Uh, so let's start on that chord category. Uh, we have Adept. One blue blue for creature human wizard when it enters the battlefield, return target creature to its owner's hand, and it is a 2-2. Aethergale. Uh, Four blue blue blue, bounce six non-land permanence. I'm just going to use Bounce to replace Return Target. Um, Aether Spell Bomb is one for an artifact. Blue, sack it, uh, bounce a creature. Or one sack it, draw a card. Aether Tide, X blue, choose and discard X X creature cards, bounce X creatures. Uh, Aether Snipe. Four, five and a blue, four four, when it enters the battlefield, bounce a non-land permanent. And it has Evoke, one blue blue. You may cast this spell for it's evoke cost if you do it's sacrifice when it enters the battlefield. As you see, these are all just bounce spells. Angelic Shield. One in the blue, wh- white, blue enchantment. Creatures you control get plus zero, plus one. Sacrifice Angelic Shield. Return target creature you to its owner's hand. Angler Drake. Four blue blue ETB Bouncer Creature. Four four flying. Uh, Arrester's Admonition. 2 blue instant bounce target creature uh, addendum. If you cast this spell during your main phase, draw a card. Aven Augur. 3 blue, 2 2 flying, sack it, bounce 2 target creatures to their owner's hands. Play this ability only during your upkeep. Next up is Baral's Expertise. Baral's expertise is 3, blue-blue for sorcery. Return up to 3 target artifacts and or creatures to their owner's hand. You may cast a card with converted mana cost 4 or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So not only do I get 5 mana to return 3 things, but I also get to cast a card for free. If I get that 4 mana, then really on tempo... It's almost like I've cast this for 1 mana. It is quite good in this deck. And 3 triggers is quite good. And I can also do it for multiple opponents. So this is a great way to get tons of triggers on my stuff. And I can also cast something for free. Next up is Baron's Unmaking. 1 in a blue for an instant. Return target permanent to its owner's hand if that permanent shares a color with the most common color among all permanents, or the color tied for most common. So, I will not get great removal out of this, but the fact that I'm running 47 removal cards means that I don't have to. I can just get the value of returning something, and then... Being able to have my opponent play that again, I get tempo from that, and I get value from just returning something. That is enough for it to be quite decent in this deck, and it's absolutely terrible in any other deck. So, it goes perfectly into here. Next up is Blink of an Eye. Blink of an Eye is one in a blue for an instant. Kicker, one in a blue. You may pay an additional one and a blue as you cast the spell. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. If this spell was kicked, draw a card. So not only do I n- and have it be a cantrip, but I can also bounce a non-land permanent, which will get me triggers. Boomerang. Blue blue. Instant. Return target permanent to-, to its owner's hand. Uh, brazen borrower. Borrower. Brazen borrower. Good job. I said words. One blue blue flash flying 3-1 can only block creatures with flying. Uh, petty theft is its adventure. Return target non-land permanent. An opponent controls to its owner's hand. Uh, call to heal. One in a blue return target creature to its owner's hand. Its controller draws a card. Palace dismissal. One in a blue sorcery return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Amass one. Capsize, one blue blue, instant, buy back three, bounce target permanent to its owner's hand. Uh, captivating Gyre, four, blue blue, sorcery, bounce three tar- bounce three creatures. Chain of Vapor, blue, uh, instant, bounce a non-land permanent. Then the, m- then the permanent's controller may sac a land. If they do, he or she may copy this spell and may choose new targets for the copy. So this can just keep on going for a really long time, depending on how willing people are to sacrifice their lands. Most likely, your opponent will get salty and just throw it back at you. And then you can either choose to target them again, and they'll probably stop. You never really know. Or you can choose to send it to someone else, and then you'll just be the one getting the short end of the stick. So, the moral of the story is, don't really play this if you have anything that you care if it's bounced back. In most cases, your spell, your value can just get bounced back, and you're okay with that. But if you're not, don't play this spell. For example, if you have Ishai, you wouldn't want to lose all that progress from the plus one, plus one counters. Now, you might. But... You want to be really selective of when you're casting this spell. I find it's best to just use this as removal. And sometimes, if there's enough threatening stuff, you might even be able to convince your opponent to sacrifice a land and target somebody else. Target the biggest threat. So, hopefully they don't get salty, but you might be able to get amazing value if you do that. Next up is Champion's Victory. Champion's victory is blue sorcery. Play it only after you've attacked before de- before declare blockers. Return any one attacking creature to its owner's hand. Ah, uh, ch- churning eddy. Ah, uh, three and a blue sorcery bounce target creature and target land. Clutch of currents, blue sorcery bounce a creature. Awaken four and a blue. If you cast this spell for 4 and a blue, also put 3 plus 1 plus 1 counters on target land you control, and it becomes a 0-0 elemental creature with haste. It's still a land. Coastal Breach. 6, blue, sorcery, undaunted. This spell costs 1 less to cast for each opponent. Return all non-land permanents to their owner's hands. Command of- Unsummoning two and a blue sorcery play it only after you've attacked before declare blockers return any one or two attacking creatures to their owner's hands um so honestly i'm not sure how this is supposed to work because it says it's a sorcery so i'm gonna pull up the card page for that uh, I'm not sure exactly how that's supposed to work, because it says... Okay, so it has been eroded to an instant. So, yes, you can cast it at the correct time. Uh, so... That's good that that worked. Uh, I'm surprised that it had that. I didn't know... Pretty sure sorceries didn't exist. Or instants didn't exist at one point. I'm not sure exactly how that works, um, but point is it has been eroded to an instant uh compelling deterrence is one in a blue for an instant return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand then that player discards a card if you control a zombie i'm pretty sure i don't have any zombies in this deck oh no I, i have at least one i have at least one um but the point of it is just bounce i was thinking do i want to save it and I was like, okay, well, first of all, zombies don't have any synergy with bounce or with um, return or with discarding cards. Uh, they do a little bit on your side, but not to opponents. And I was like, okay, so the question is, does it synergize better in this deck? Or does the added power of discarding a card in the zombie deck seem better and I decided this deck not because that's an unbalanced scale because honestly I think that the discarding is slightly more powerful but because you're not always going to get that discard even if you mostly do and because zombies have so many synergies I could just build like three zombie decks and I just wouldn't run out. I would just get to continue Making more and more and more spells. Especially if we're doing a deep dive like that. So. I could. In fury, Run that in the zombie deck. But I do think it fits better here. Consign to dream. Two and a blue for an instant. Return target permanent to its owner's hand. If that permanent is red or green. Put it on top of its owner's library instead. So. It's just bounce a permanent. And if I'm lucky and the thing I want to get rid of is red or green, then my my opponents also lose card advantage. So that's good. Uh, consuming Vortex. One in a blue instant arcane. Return target creature to its owner's hand. And it has splice into arcane three and it has splice into arcane three and a blue. As you play an arcane spell, you may reveal this card from your hand and pay its splice card. If you do, add this card's effect to that spell. Uh, splice into Arcane is quite a strange ability, but I'm not running any synergy with that in the deck. It's just another bounce effect. Uh, next is Counterintelligence. Sorcery, two blue-blue sorcery. Return one any one or two creatures to their owner's hand. Uh, next is dematerialize. Demater- dematerialize. Yay, I spoke words. Uh, three and a blue for sorcery. Return target permanent to its owner's hand. Flashback. Five blue blue. You may play this card from your graveyard for its flashback cost, then remove it from the game. It's just another way to bounce a permanent. Plus the flashback is nice. I can eventually flashback flash it back, and bounce a second permanent. Dispersal Technician. Four and a blue for Creature Vidalkin Artificer. Three, two. When it enters the battlefield, you may return target artifact to its owner's hand. I'm... The odds of of an opponent having an artifact are honestly quite high. The odds of an opponent having a useful artifact are relatively low. But... If you count all the mana rocks people are playing that you can just bounce and get value off of, it's quite a somewhat playable card in this deck. But anywhere else, it would be absolute garbage. Next up is disperse. One in the blue for an instant, bounce target non-land permanent. Uh dissipation field. Two blue blue enchantment. Whenever a permanent deals damage to you, bounce it. Dragunder, 2, blue, sorcery, return target creature to its owner's hand, draw a card. Dramatic Rescue, white, blue, instant, bouncer creature to its owner's hand, you gain 2 life. Dream Eater, or, blue, blue, creature, Nightmare Sphinx, 4-3, Flash Flying, when it enters the battlefield, surveil 4. When you do, you may return target non-land permanent and opponent controls to its owner's hand surveilling is looking at the top four cards of your library and then choosing whether to leave them or to put them into your graveyard drown in shapelessness one in a blue bounce a creature to its owner's hand echoing truth one in a blue instant bounce not target non-land permanent and all other permanents with the same name as that permanent to their owner's hands essence fracture three blue blue sorcery return two target creatures to their owner's hands cycling two in a blue discard this card from your hand Draw. Exclusion Mage. 2 in a blue for creature human wizard. When it enters the battlefield, return target creature an opponent controls to its owner's hand. 2-2. Expel from a Razga. 1 in a blue for an instant ascent. If you control 10 or more permanents, you get the city's blessing for the rest of the game. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. If you have the city's blessing, you may put that permanent on top of its owner's library instead. So. Just like all these other things, it's just a way to bounce and get value from my other things. Value. One in a blue instant return target spell to its owner's hand. So yes, you will get the triggers off of the things that say cast a spell whenever an opponent casts a spell. You will get those triggers. And it's just another way to get it in advance. Plus, you might even be able to, ca- to effectively counter a spell an instant or sorcery, as that's a very hard issue to solve in this deck. Uh next I- it also has an aftermath half of comply, so it's failure to comply. And it says cast this spell only from your graveyard then exile it. And it is a single white choose a card name until your next turn your opponent's can't cast spells with this sh- with the chosen name. So as i said uh, yes, uh, Comply is a sorcery, but if your opponents don't have enough mana, you can just delay it for two turns, which should be enough to kill them or have something someone else come up with an answer. So, that will usually solve the problem, plus it's just a great way to get value. Next up is Floodwaters. Four blue, blue for a sorcery. Cycling 2. Discard, discard, draw a card. Return up to two target creatures to their owner's hands. Force away. One and a blue for an instant. Return target creature to its owner's hand. If you control a creature with power 4 or greater, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. Looting is quite good, quite useful. Bumble. One and a blue instant. Return target creature to its owner's hand. Gain control of all auras and equipment that were attached to it, then attach them to another creature. Let's be honest, the odds that an opponent has something with tons of equipment on it are low. But the odds that someone has an op- an equip- something with equipment on it, that none of them are, uh, are hex proof or shroud, that is also quite low. When your opponents have tons of auras or equipment, usually one of them is protection, but you might get lucky and you might be able to steal one or two, but most of the time, you're just gonna use this as a bounce spell. Gale strike, two and a blue for an instant, return target tapped creature to its owner's hand. Draw a card. Lost in the mist, three blue, blue, counter target spell, return target permanent to its owner's hand it's just a counter spell uh it is five mana which is quite unfortunate um but that happens sometimes next is brutal expulsion brutal expulsion is two blue red for an instant devoid this card has no color choose one or both return target spell or creature to its owner's hand and brutal explosion deals two damage to target creature or planeswalker if that's permanent would be put into a graveyard this turn exile it instead so it's basically removal for whatever you want but it either bounces or just does a small amount of damage so it's like bad removal but really versatile uh next up is so that is the category that was 47 bounce spells so as you can see we can get our opponents to have to cast things over and over and over again especially if we're deciding to have to bounce their small creatures which or their small spells, which we will choose to do some of the time depending on the situation. I think the best strategy most of the time is, is to bounce the threats. Make sure you always have a couple of bounce spells to make sure no one gets out of hand. And then if there are no threats and you have plenty of extra bounce spells, Bounce the cheap stuff. You want to get all those triggers. You want your opponents to cast over and over and over again. Next category is the benefit category. So these are cards that give me benefit or my opponents a downside. Just for playing cards. So there's a lot of different categories. Some of them, not really categories. But a lot of different things that they trigger off of. For example, either stink. 3 in a red for an enchantment. Whenever one of your opponents plays a creature spell, either sting deals 1 damage to that player. So, while you probably will not be able to kill anyone with this, it's a good way to get some value. Um, really, it just depends on the spell. Some of them trigger for everything, some of them trigger for some things. It really depends. Counterbalance, blue blue for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent plays a spell, you may reveal the top card of your library. If you do, counter that spell if it has the same converted mana cost as the revealed card. So I could just bounce it over and over again and get them to keep on casting it over and over again until it gets countered. Now, I wouldn't say this is a payoff as much as it is for the others. I'd say it's a nice synergy, but it fits in this category the best. Next is Deep Sea Kraken. Deep Sea Kraken is 7 blue 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 for a 6-6, and it's unblockable. Now, you're not going to cast it for that 10 mana. It's because it has Suspend 9, 2 and a blue. Rather than cast this card from your hand, you may pay 2 and a blue and exile it with 9 time counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove a time counter on it. When the last is removed, cast it without paying its mana cost. It has haste. And no, I do not expect you to wait 9 turns, because at the end of it, it also says, whenever an opponent casts a spell, if Deep Sea Kraken is suspended, remove a time counter from it. So while your opponents are continuously casting spells over and over again, eventually you will get a 6-6 beater. And then you can make them just keep on taking damage 6 every turn and continue to control them with all your bounce spells. Next up is Forced Fruition, 4 blue blue for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent plays a spell, that player draws 7 cards. So if we're assuming it's turn 6, most people have played some draw, so we'll assume each person has played 2. So by that point we're talking about 15 cards drawn most likely, so on average people will have roughly 85 cards in the deck. Now, I don't think this is accurate at all, I think it's actually a lot less because of mill and because I do think people draw more cards than that, but we will work with that number anyways. That means that your opponents have a 12 spell clock before they die. And trust me, when you're drawing 7 cards every single time, it's easy to just cast some cheap spells. If your opponents are playing so many different types of decks that require them to cast a lot of spells over and over and over again in order to win the game, that's also a huge hindrance. So this just makes it extremely hard for your opponents to win because they have this clock. And the longer they wait, the, lo- the worse it gets because they're still drawing on their turn. So this just makes it quite hard for your opponents to succeed. Um, And it's probably one of the better win cons. Next up is Insight. Two and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever one of your your opponents plays a green spell, you draw a card. So you would definitely want to be favoring bouncing green cards here. But the downside is I could be bouncing things that are not green. And I'm just not getting any upside. So while this is not quite as good as it could be, it still is an amazing spell. You get to draw off of all your opponent's green spells. And I'm also gonna be analyzing this next week uh, during my card of the week segment. Uh, So if you wanna know how playable this is in normal EDH, unlike what what I'm doing, uh, I will figure that out next week. Um, Point is, I can bounce my opponent's green spells over and over again and just get to draw. Imagine if every single one of my, my cards could have the option to draw a card on it. That would just make it so so much better. Next up is Isolation Cell. Isolation Cell is 4 for an artifact. Whenever an opponent casts a creature spell, that player loses 2 life unless he or she pays 2. So you can either pay an extra 2 mana, or you can lose 2 life. It's just an easy way to whittle down at their life total. Next up is Mind's Dilation. 5 blue blue for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent casts his or her first spell each turn, that player exiles the top card of his or her library. If it's a non-land card, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. This is good for so many reasons. First of all, I get to be exiling off of their decks, not mine. So I might actually get good cards. Second of all, it, it's probably going to trigger on every single turn because I am bouncing your stuff. I'm giving you juicy options to recast. So I'm just getting to do that over and over and over again. Now, I would say that, sure, we if we look at the numbers, if we assume that our opponents are playing an average CMC of roughly 3.5, which I would say is average without looking at any numbers, just a complete guess. Because when I look at other deck lists, most of them are roughly 3.5, uh, some nicely... Tiny bit tuned decks are like a 3. And then more uncommon ones are higher are, are lower. And then a lot of really casual decks are 4s. Sometimes it goes higher, but almost never. So if we're averaging that it's about a 3.5 uh, average CMC. And that doesn't take into consideration lands. Then that means on average, since I'm going to get a land about two one third of the time a little bit more but you get the idea that means that on average i'm getting roughly two to two and a half val cmc value from my mind's dilation on every single spell and if we assume that a person is playing a spell every turn, which I think is safe too, then we get an average of 7 mana per cycle. So if this sticks around for just one turn rotation, then I'm getting my value off of it. Obviously, this is really just the average, but... There's also people that will cast on other people's spells. There's a lot of different factors here, but if we think about it, it comes out to be a pretty good card. Even if our opponents do remove it, we're always gonna get at least one flipped card. Next up is Mystic Vermora. Mystic Vermora is blue for an enchantment, cumulative upkeep one. Whenever an opponent plays a non-creature spell, you may draw a card unless that player pays for it. Nobody is going to pay for it. It's not really necessary for me to say that. Because everybody knows that. But the point is. No one is going to pay for The cumulative upkeep. Yes it will get expensive over time. But you can pay it. If you just make a land drop every turn. It's almost like you just stopped getting lands from that point on. It's. Great value, just a non creature spell. You can bounce those over and over and over again, and I always get to draw, and I always just get the value. Next up is a similar one Nezahal, Primal Tide, 5 blue blue, 7 7, can't be countered, legendary creature, Elder Dinosaur. Whenever an opponent casts a non creature spell, draw a card, discard three cards, exile Nezahal, return it to the battlefield, tapped under your control under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. Ristic Study, uh, it's just another Mystic Remora. Ristic Study is two and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent plays a spell, you may draw a card unless that player pays one. I know, I have an actual staple right here. We've got Mystic Remora, we've got Ristic Study. We are running a lot of playable cards in here. But if you look at my mon- at my numbers, every single measure I've done so far, I'm looking like I'm being conservative. I feel like I'm doing well. I And I continue. I want it to continue like this. But if I look at every single numbers, every single lo- way that I've looked at the power of my decks, it has been good. It has been much, much lower power than it has to be. So i am going to include these cards because i do think they're better here than they would be almost anywhere else i think this is probably the best power add you could get in any deck because they actually synergize that's one of the downsides of rustic study and mystic remora is it's dependent on what your opponents are doing so you can't really synergize without that one unless you're playing a lot of bounce which is what this deck is doing I'm getting synergy with these amazing cards so I do think that it is worth playing in this deck but I might be proven wrong I might I mean I know at the end of this challenge I'm gonna be down I'm gonna be down to a couple of hundred cards and it's gonna be difficult it's going to be really hard to come up with playable cards once I'm down, I'm gonna guess to about 5,000 cards. Once I'm three quarters of the way, I'm gonna have a challenge. Now, that all depends. Am I gonna leave strategies out in the open? Because at this point, I just, whenever I think of a strategy, I'll write it down on my list, something that I can do, and I'll just write it down. And I might continue to do that that's what i'm going to continue to do i'll cross it off when i build it if i have built i have, if i've built the strategy in a way si- significant enough to get rid of the cards playable for that i will cross it off well i'll just delete it so i just get that and right now my list is growing it's slowly but surely it grows so I don't know, maybe it'll just continue to be like that. And at the end, I'll have this list of strategies that I didn't do. Strategies that I've thought of. And been like, oh, I don't want to put this deck, this card in this deck because of this strategy. So maybe I will just have planned it out. And no, I don't expect it. I think all of that, that that is going to do is make it so that it lasts longer maybe i'll get to three thousand cards. i don't know but i do have another category of well str- strategies that require require playable cards but because i just don't want to use these cards before i get to the end for example cycling decks if the card has cycling it's automatically somewhat playable in any deck. So I don't want to be using those cards right in the beginning of the challenge. So, at this point, I think that I am being conservative enough. But that I have to be careful. I do have to be more conservative than the numbers say. Because I'm not perfect. My brain is not perfect. I have not thought of every single strategy. I'm going to have to... Figure out what those strategies are, and just keep on going. At some point, the quantity is going to run out, and even if I do have some better quality, it's not that good. It's not good enough quality in order for it to be a good stuff deck. So as I'm running out of quantity, I have to have better quality. So I do think I have to be conservative and I have to be roughly as conservative as I have been, but it is okay to stretch the boundaries. All right, so that was my rant that I just went on. Um, I'm gonna actually get back into the deck. I'm almost done going over this deck, uh, but this is next up is Soul Barrier. Soul Barrier is two and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever target opponent successfully casts a, a summon spell, Soul Barrier deals two damage to him or her. That player may pay. That player may pay two to prevent this damage. So I would expect, similar to Mystic Remora, that this has been eroded to whenever. Yes, this has been eroded to whenever an opponent casts uh, a creature spell, not whenever target opponent casts a creature spell. So that just means. whenever an opponent casts a creature spell they either have to lose two life or pay two mana so it's a good way to whittle down their life and just get some value. Next up is Spell Tithe Enforcer. Three white white for three three creature elephant wizard. Whenever an opponent plays a spell that player sacrifices a permanent unless he or she pays one. Honestly this is usually just a tax but if I can get my opponents to sacrifice a permanent that's going to go a long way. Because if they sacrifice a permanent. Then that's just going to make it easier for them to do it next time. And if they sacrifice a land. If they sacrifice a land. They're almost definitely not going to pay the one that next time. And they might not even know that everything is going to get bounced. Most people if you're playing against this. Won't expect. The insane number of bounce spells you have. So. So. Honestly, if you can get your opponents into a cycle of sacrifice It's gonna be really hard for them to escape that Plus you can bounce their lands If your opponents have this I might even if I have this I might bounce lands Because it's just gonna make them even more willing To get themselves into a horrible situation uh, Next up is Sun Region. Regent it's three white white for a 4-3 flying. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, put a +1/+1 plus one, plus one counter on Sunscorch Regent and you gain a life. That's a good way to get some life. And Sunscorch Regent will get massive. You will have Ishai and Sunscorch Regent to beat down. So, next up, we have Torian Mauler. Torian Mauler is 2 and a red for creature shapeshifter with changeling. This card is ever creature type. This is my zombie I was talking about. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, you may put a plus one, plus one counter on Torian Mauler. That is the deck. We have a lot of different ways to bounce, 47 to be exact. I know I've said that a lot, but it's just so many. And we've got 14 ways to benefit. And We've got the lands, and we've got two commanders, both of which. Give me benefits from my opponents be- my spells being cast I do think I'm gonna have to be more careful with the partners I think in the future I will not build another one for quite a while because there's just uh, higher higher in color numbers like 5 color and 4 color I have to be really careful with because there's such limited Not really five color, that's not really an issue, but with four color, I have to be careful because there are some cards that are guaranteed have to get into the four color decks, and there's not very many options for commanders. Uh, And I would like, uh, I might not get to, but I would like to not just have to throw them in to the four color deck and have no synergy. I might not get that wish, but that would be nice. So I am going to be a little bit more conservative with the, with the partners, because it gives me a great way to be able to choose my colors, and it just has a lot of power. So in the future I probably will not do another partner deck. But as with the lands, we have 19 islands, 8 mountains, and 10 plains. And, While that is quite far from the color distribution, if you look at it, it's just like a little Pac-Man. I'd say it's like 80% blue, like 15% white, and then 5% red, but there are a lot of cards in here that I really would not like to miss out on casting, and if I go below 8, it's quite unreasonable to expect to be able to actually cast those spells. In my mind, if a card, if a color is low enough in number for me to not justify, be able to justify running at least eight of that land type, I mean, that number is not exact, then you should probably cut it from the deck. Obviously, that depends on the importance of the commander, and a lot of other factors, but a lot of the time you can run the commander as just without actually running the card, without actually running the color in the deck. Obviously, this changes a lot when you are going into actual good lands, because in here I'm just running basics. Almost all of these cards are basics, and I find If I can find a a land that actually synergizes with the deck, I will definitely throw it in, but those are not very numerous. So, and actually it's been working out pretty well. Uh, My land ratios are quite where they should be. Uh, They're quite accurate actually. Um, so it's been working out well and I think I'm gonna continue doing this for a while. But at some point I'm going to actually do lands that don't synergize, because that's the vast majority of lands, they don't do anything except for fix. And maybe there are a lot more lands that synergize than I thought, but I still think that I'm gonna run out of them quite quickly. So that is that deck. Uh, I've got a another deck to get into now, a Chromat snow deck. So Chromat, if you do not know, is one of the other five color generals that is just used for when you're not really doing anything specific that has a commander already for it. So Chromat that you want to do 5 color. So it's white, blue, black, red, green. For a 5-5 five, five legend and it has 5 White, black. Destroy target creature blocking or blocked by Chromat. Red, blue. Chromat gains flying. Black, green. Regenerate Chromat. Red, white. Chromat gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Green, blue. Put Chromat on top of its owner's library. So if you read through these abilities, you will realize, oh wow, those abilities are completely useless. But, that's kind of the point. The idea is, it's a non-threatening general. Your opponents will not be scared to see it, because they don't really know what's happening. They don't know what's going on in your deck, and they know you're using a janky commander. You're not using the obvious things. You're not using Golos. You're not using Kenrith. You're not using one of those. And the reason that I'm not using those is, one, it makes me much less threatening. Two, it's much more representative of my actual deck. So my opponents get a good look of what I'm doing. And three, I kind of want to save Kenrith and Golos. That's kind of the biggest reason. But, you know... Uh, Golos would actually be great because I am playing a snow deck, so being able to grab a land would be helpful. But whatever. Um. So we have some categories. So we have cards that just are snow, so they benefit. They, I get benefits from having them. I have ramp, which can grab me snow. I have stuff that benefits from snow. So I get some benefit from having my snow permanence. And I have stuff that's both. It both benefits from snow and is snow. So first of all we're going to talk about the snowlands. So all of my lands are snowlands, suitably. I've got th- I've got a- Arctic Flats, which is a snowland and it comes into play tapped. And it can tap for green or white, Boreal Shelf. It's the same thing, but it taps for white or blue. Frost Marsh, blue or black. Highland Weald, red or green. And Tresser Horn Sinks, black or red. So they're all tap lands that are also snowlands. So that's just a good snow land. And it gives me fixing, because I'm in five color, and I need some amount of fixing. Frost, Ra- Frost Walk Bastion is a snow land, and you can tap it for colorless. 1. Snow. Until end of turn, Frostwalk Bastion becomes a 2-3 construct artifact creature. It's still a land. Snow can be paid with 1 mana from a snow permanent. Whenever Frostwalk Bastion deals combat damage to a creature, tap that creature and it doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Next is Mouth of Rana. Snow land, tap add 1 or 4 snow sack it, it deals 4 damage to target creature. That's like a good removal. Scrying Sheets. Snowland. One snow tap. Look at the top card of your library. If that card is a snow is snow, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. As I have shown in these categories, I've got 38 snow, 28 things that are snow that that are in both and 11 in is just snow so the only cards in this deck that are not snow are the ones that are ramp and the ones that benefit from snow so i am running with a good 77 cards that benefit from that are snow that means That roughly 77% of the time, I will be getting a card. That is great. Being able to tap 2 and tap that and just draw a card. Sure, it's revealed. But still, that is quite good. Alright, so those are the lands. We've got 30. six forests, six islands, six mountains, six plains, and six swamps. So, now that we have that over with, that is lands, we've got 38 of them. We're in five color, we need fixing. And honestly, we don't have great fixing, so we just are running basics. So we kinda need, we kind of need a lot of lands. And I should probably be running more, but you know, I've also got a lot of colorless stuff. Well, not really, I don't have that much colorless stuff, but I've got a lot of stuff that uses snow mana instead of normal mana and everything can tap for that. So I'm not sure if that's better or worse, but if you think about it, it's like almost all of my lands are dual lands. So hey, that's good, I guess. Whatever, Uh, we have the categories now. So first of all, let's just knock off the easy one, ramp. We have an into the north. Into the north is one in green for sorcery. Search your library for a snow land card and put it into play tapped. Then shuffle your library. So this could work for any snow land card. So if you need fixing you can grab that, and it would enter tap, so grabbing a tap land is not a downside. Or you could just grab scrying sheets if you want some draw, that's amazing. Or you could gra- grab mouth of ranam if you want removal. Ah, uh, Frostwalk Bastion isn't particularly useful, but you can either get fixing, or you can just get utility you can either get something to draw for three mana or something to deal four damage to a creature and all you've got to do is sack it and pay five mana but you get the point it's quite useful next is rampant growth rampant growth is one in a green for sorcery search your library for a basic land card and put it under the battlefield tapped then shuffle your library it's just good old ramp it's the namesake yeah. Uh, Alright. So the next category is, is snow. So these are cards that are just snow. They don't synergize with the deck any other way than just being snow. So yeah. We've gotten a darker Valkyrie. Four white white for a four or five flying vigilant snow creature. When target creature other than a Darkar Valkyrie dies this turn, return that card to the battlefield under your control. So this is just a good way to get recursion, and it's snow. Alpine Guide is 2 and a red for a 3-3 snow creature human scout. When Alpine Guide enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a mountain card, put that card onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Alpine Guide attacks each combat if able, and when Alpine Guide leaves the battlefield sacrifice a mountain this is like red ramp this is great i don't know how i didn't know about this card this card is quite good uh do not underestimate this this should go in a lot a lot more decks of course it you losing the mountain if it leaves the battlefield is definitely a downside but it's sort of like a mana dork for 3 mana. Look I understand it's not to the level of other colors ramp. But this is certainly one of the best ramp cards you can get in red. And I'm not sure why people don't seem to be running it. I have never heard of this card before. And I don't know. Um, How many decks has it even played on EDH rec? Let's check i'm looking it up right now see if it'll load this card i've never seen it before i've never heard of it before it's nowhere it's in 138 decks why is it not in more decks it is an amazing card yes it can't be really abused through flickr or really many things but the point is it's good ramp. It's not great to abuse, but it's still solid ramp. Alright next up is Blizzard Spectre. 2 blue black for a 2-3 snow creature spectre. Flying. Whenever Blizzard Spectre deals combat damage to a player, choose one. Return target. That player returns a permanent he or she controls to its owner's hand or that player discards a card. Uh, just value uh boreal druid what green snow creature elf druid one one tap add one mana to your mana Pool. i guess that categorizes as ramp but i think it goes more closely into is snow conifer worm is four and a green for four four snow creature worm trample three green Conifer Worm gets plus X plus X until end of turn where X is the number of snow permanents you control. We have been over this. We have 77 snow permanents. That is a lot. That is a lot of cards. That is just plus X plus X for basically every card I have. Have you ever used City's Blessing? Do you know how? easy it is to get 10, and equivalent of that, I would probably have 8, because that's the ratio of what I have. 4 mana for plus 8, plus 8, and it has trample. That is a massive beater. Actually this is kind of in the wrong category. Uh, I think this is supposed to go in both, but uh, just, just ignore that. A uh, frost web spider is two and a green for a two one three snow creature spider. Frost web spider can block as though it had flying, and when frost web spider blocks a creature with flying, put a plus one plus one counter on frostweb web spider at end of combat. So if it survives through combat, I get a plus one plus one counter on it. Yay! It's just a snow creature and I can get a blocker out of it. Next up is Carplusin Wolverine. Carplusin Wolverine is a red for a 1-1 snow creature beast. Whenever Carplusen Wolverine becomes blocked, you may have it deal 1 damage to target creature or player. So this is the lo- a way to get some damage, uh, either I can attack or I can just get it to deal that damage. Being able to deal damage to a creature is useful. Uh, O'Ran Viper is one green green for a snow creature snake. Whenever O'Ran Viper deals combat damage to a creature, destroy that creature at end of combat. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. So either their stuff is going to die, or I'm just going to get to draw. Next up is Saddled Rhyme Stag. Saddled Rhyme Stag is 1 grain for a 2-2 snow creature elk. Saddled Rhyme Stag gets plus 2, plus 2 as long as you had another creature enter the battlefield under your control this turn. Next up is Squall Drifter. Squall Drifter is 1 and a white for a a snow creature elemental with flying. White tap, tap target creature, and it's 1-1. So, that is the category. we just got a lot of creatures that are snow and have random value. So, now we are into the both category. So, these are cards that both give me some type of benefit from being snow and are snow. So, we've got Abominable Treefolk. We've got two green blue for our snow creature tree folk with trample. Abominale, abominable tree folk's power and toughness are each equal to the number of snow permanents you control. When abominable tree folk enters the battlefield, tap target creature and opponent controls, that creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. So that just means that just means I can freeze an opponent's creature. And that means I can smash through with Abominable Tree Folk. Uh, it gives me more freedom on who I want to attack. Next up is a Darkgar Windform. 4 Blue for Snow Creature Illusion. Flying. 1 Snow. Target creature loses flying until end turn. You can attack whoever you want with this. Blizzard Strix. 4 Blue. Snow Creature Bird. Flash. Flying. 3 2. When it enters the battlefield, if you control another Snow Plant. Permanent. Exile. Target. Permanent. Other than bl- blizzard strict. Blizzard stricts Return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So, worst case scenario, you can use this to clear a blocker. Best case scenario, you have something with an ETB. Like maybe Abominable Treefolk, to tap something down. Who knows? But, there's a lot of good things that could happen because of this. And otherwise, it could just be kind of nothing just uh, clear a blocker out of the way small upside but it's it's a snow creature so it, it goes in a uh, boreal centaur is one in a green for a snow creature centaur warrior Bo- snow boreal centaur gets plus one plus one until end of turn play this ability only once each turn and it's a 2-2 so if you do not know Every single mana source I have is snow. So that just means one mana, one colorless, really, if we are going to equate it to anything, to get it plus one plus one. So I could just smash through for some good amount of damage. Next up is Boreal Griffin. Three white white for a snow creature griffin with flying. It is a three two with flying, and it has snow. Boreal Gryphon gains for strike until end of turn. Chiller Pillar is three and a blue for a snow creature, insect three, three with four, snow, snow, monstrosity two. And as long as Chiller Pillar is monstrous, it has flying. So it could be a five, five with flying and monstrous is only six mana. That's kind of a lot. Uh chilling shade is two and a black for one one snow. Chilling shade gets plus one plus one until end of turn. So next is cover of winter. Cover of winter is two and a white for a snow enchantment. Cumulative upkeep snow. Snow can be paid with one mana from a snow permanent. If a creature would deal combat damage to you and or one or more creatures you control prevent x of that damage where x is the number of age counters on cover of winter and snow put an age counter on cover of winter so every turn you have to pay a mana for the amount of damage or combat damage that you would like to be prevented for example if you do one this is actually quite effective because you would only have to pay one mana each turn although it's cumulative so you can't really go back it just continues to go up but you get the point if you just have one then if your opponent attacks you with a 1 1 you take nothing if they attack you with a 2 2 you take one so it's just a good way to pad it up and to annihilate token decks if you pay 2 it gets extremely difficult to kill you if you pay two. Your opponents have to attack you with pretty large creatures. If they're attacking you with three threes, you're only taking one damage. So it also prevents the damage to my creatures. So it is quite good, um, and I uh, I would recommend. Honestly, I don't have any recommendation. I was gonna say, oh, put it here at this number, but no. It's totally dependent on the board state. Stop the amount of damage you want to stop. Next is Diamond Fairy. Diamond Fairy is 2, green, white, blue, for a snow creature fairy with flying. 3-3. And it has 1 snow. Snow creatures you control get plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn. So, as I've said, Way too many times. I've got 77 snow cards in here. Of like 30 of those. 38 of those are lands. So we're talking about. Like 39. We're talking about 39 cards. That are not lands. So yeah. Um. I'm sure a good amount of those are creatures. It's just a win con. I I don't know why I'm. I don't know why I'm saying that. Alright, Frost Raptor. Two and a blue for Snow Creature Bird. Two two with flying. Snow snow. Frost Raptor Frost Raptor can't be the target of spells or abilities this turn. It's just like a way to get some damage through. And then you can keep it safe if for some reason somebody wants to kill it. Which I honestly doubt. But it could be a way to get rid of some of your mana. Honestly, I don't know whether I'd recommend you saving Frost Raptor. Because they're probably just trying to trick you into using your mana. Because there's so many better things that they could save their removal for. Like, almost all of the time, there's a better thing on board than this. Maybe they're like really low life, and you kill them with it, and they have ground blockers. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, next is Frostwalla. 2 and a green for snow creature lizard. 2 2 Snow. Frostwalla gets plus 2 plus 2 until end of turn. Activate this ability only once each turn, so it can be a 4 4. Jalid Shackles is white for snow enchantment aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature can't block and its activated abilities can't be played. Uh, snow. Enchanted creature gains defender until end of turn. So Snow just makes it so it can't attack, because it already can't block, and its activated abilities already can't be activated. So if it can't attack, it can do, like, nothing. Uh, except for, like, triggered abilities. Which, a lot of commanders have triggered abilities. So, that's... It's not perfect. But it does, it will shut down some commanders. For only one mana every single turn. Uh, Glacial Plating is too white white for an enchantment. Uh, Enchant creature. Cumulative upkeep snow. At the beginning of your upkeep, put an age counter on this permanent. Then sacrifice it unless you pay its upkeep cost for each age counter on it. Uh, Snow can be paid with 1 mana from a snow permanent. Enchanted creature gets plus 3 plus 3 for each age counter on Glacial Plating. So it's just going to get bigger. Over time, and you can put it on Chromat, which is already a 5-5, and after two turns, it'll be an 11-11, so you could just 2-kill, two 2-hit two people. It'll just get bigger and bigger. Plus, you can give Chromat flying, or regenerate him, or destroy target creature blocking or blocked by it. It's like Chromat is actually useful if you have Glacial pl- Plating. Next is Goblin Rhyme Runner. Goblin Rhyme Runner, runner is Two red for a 2-2 snow creature goblin warrior. Tap. Target creature can't block this turn. Snow. Goblin Rhyme Runner gains haste until end of turn. So it's just <sighs> it's just a way to get some damage through. You can stop things from blocking, or you could just give it haste and attack. But mostly it's just there, because it's snow. Next is Ice Fang Coaddle. Ice Fang Coatle is green-blue for a snow creature snake, flash-flying when it enters the battlefield, draw a card, and it has Death Touch as long as you control at least three other snow permanents. So, it's basically the equivalent of a Baleful Strix, but, I mean, yeah, it's just basically the equivalent of Baleful Strix. Next up is Ice Hide Golem. Ice Hide Golem is snow for a 2-2, Snow, artifact, creature, golem. That's it. Uh, Merit Lage's Slumber is one in a blue for a legendary snow enchantment. Whenever Merit Lage's Slumber or another snow permanent enters a battlefield under your control, scry 1. And at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control 10 or more snow permanents, sacrifice sacrifice Merit Lage's Slumber. If you do, create create Merit Lage. A legendary 2020 Black Avatar creature token with flying and indestructible. So... This is a win con. This is just a way to win the game. You get your 2020. Having 10 snow permanents is not very difficult. Next is Oran Yeti. Oran Yeti. O-H-R-A-N. Oran Yeti. I don't know how how you say it. Uh, It's 3 and a red for a snow creature Yeti. 2 and a snow. Target snow creature gains for a strike until end of turn. Um... Mostly it's just a snow creature. You might be able to use that ability profitably. But you're probably not going to be able to. Um, there's threat of activation. That's a thing. Um, on Thin Ice. On Thin Ice is white for snow enchantment. Aura. Enchant snow land you control. When On Thin Ice enters the battlefield. Exile target creature an opponent controls. Until On Thin Ice enters the battlefield. So it's snow, and your lands are snow, um, so you can just equip it, and you'll always have a snow land. And it's basically one mana, it's like a sorcery speed path to exile, but they don't get anything in exchange, they could just remove it. So it's okay, it's alright. Next up is Phyrexian Ironfoot. Phyrexian Ironfoot is 3 for a snow artifact creature construct. Phyrexian Ironfoot doesn't untap during your untap step. And it has 1 and a snow untap Phyrexian Ironfoot. It is a 3 4. So it's pretty bad. Um, you can pay 2 mana to untap it. If you want to attack with it over and over again, you can just hold it up as a blocker. Uh, I mean, it's a 3-4 for 3 mana, and then you have to pay 2 mana to untap it, so it's a pretty bad rate. You could just kind of leave it there as a blocker and have it be a snow artifact creature. Or you could just leave it tapped and have it be a snow creature. I don't know, it's not really great, but it is snow, so you get benefit. Next is Phyrexian Snow Crusher. Phyrexian Snow Crusher is 6 for a snow artifact creature juggernaut. Phyrexian Snow Crusher, Crusher attacks each turn of Fable. 1 and a snow. Phyrexian Snow Crusher gets plus 1 plus 0 until end of turn. And it's a 6-5. So it has to attack each turn, but that's fine because it's a 6-5 and you have plenty of options. So then with that plus 1 plus 0, you can just get a little bit more damage in. Uh, next is Rhyme Tender. Rhyme Tender is one and a green for snow creature human druid. Tap. Untap another target snow permanent. So that does include lands. And that's where you're going to be using it most of the time. So this is just a ramp creature that is snow that synergizes with snow. And it's a 2 2. Uh, Rhyme Transfusion is one and a black for an enchantment, snow enchantment or. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two plus one and has snow. This creature can't be blocked this turn except by snow creatures. Snow isn't really a common strategy and opponents just randomly having snow creatures also isn't very common. While yes, there are a couple of playable snow cards outside of a snow strategy, it's quite uncommon. So I would equate this to just unblockable. Next up is Rhyme Brown Dead. Rhyme Bound Dead. Is black for 1-1 one, one snow creature skeleton. Snow. Regenerate. Rhyme brown Dead. Um, rhyme Feather Owl. 5 blue blue snow creature bird flying. Its power and toughness are each equal to the number of snow permanents in play. And one and a white, and a snow. Put an ice counter on target permanent. Permanents with ice counters on them are snow. snow. So, what you do is you put your counters on your opponent's stuff, and then there's snow, and then rhyme feather Owl is just massive. You just smash people for a lot of damage. It's another win con. Sort of. I mean, you're gonna have to hit people a couple of times. I think it's more of just massive beater really than a win con um but maybe in the late game next is rhyme scale dragon five red red for snow creature dragon two snow tap target creature and put an ice counter on it creatures with ice counters on them don't untap during their controllers untap steps that's just a great play great piece of protection a great way to keep yourself alive next up is Stalking Yeti. Stalking Yeti is two red red for Snow Creature Yeti. When Stalking Yeti comes into play, if it's in play, it deals damage equal to its power to target creature and opponent controls, and that creature deals damage equal to its power to Stalking Yeti. So that's basically just fighting. And two and a snow return Stalking Yeti to its owner's hand. Play this ability only any time you could play a sorcery. It is a 3-3, so you can't fight... The best things, but it is still removal that you can do over and over and over again and kill really small things. And if you're willing to lose that engine, you can just kill something slightly bigger. Next is Winter's Rest. Winter's Rest is one in a blue for snow enchantment aura, enchant creature. When Winter's Rest enters the battlefield, tap enchanted creature. As long as you control another snow permanent, enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. So it just kind of keeps it tapped forever. So for commanders that care about being tapped or untapped, so basically things that either have activated abilities that use tap or things that have triggered abilities on attack or many other things that care whether or not they're tapped, um, that could be a serious downside But other than that, you probably just don't care. Uh, But most of the time, you're probably gonna have an opponent whose commander you can just shut down. And when it enters, you get to tap it, so it doesn't even have to be tapped beforehand. And yeah, you're gonna have a snow permanent. I don't think it's really possible for any of these. I mean, sure, technically it's possible. But it's not going to happen that you don't have a snow permanent or that you don't have snow land. That's just not going to happen. You're not going to keep a hand with no lands. That's not how it works. You're not even running fast mana in this deck. So, clearly, those things always happen. It's not a question of weather. It's, you have it. I mean, I guess that's stable in a lot of uh, snow decks. That's basically all of them, but whatever. Next is Zombie Musher. Zombie Musher is 3 and a black for a 2-3 Snow Landwalk. And Snow. Regenerate Zombie Musher. So, while, yeah, having Snow doesn't really help with Snow Landwalk, because your opponents have to have Snow, but you can regenerate it over and over again. So, I guess that's helpful. And it it is Snow, so you can't reject that. Next up, that is that category, cards that are both snow and they benefit from snow. Uh, next category is cards that just benefit from snow. They are not snow, but they do get benefits from you having it. This is a annoyingly large strategy, uh, an annoyingly large section, and I actually checked the erratas for a lot of these because they have, Wizards has changed creature types or in the past so oh i figured maybe they would change these to snow Ah, no they didn't change any of them i couldn't find any with an erratus so i I was kind of disappointed in that so i've got 20 cards that just benefit from snow which is quite a lot but let's get into them Just a quick disclaimer, uh, I made a mistake when building the deck, I included a card that I shouldn't have, I did not talk about this card yet. Um, so I'm just cutting that and I'm replacing it with Farseek, which is in the ramp category which I already went over. Uh, it's one in a green for sorcery, search your library for a plains, island, swamp, or mountain card and put it under the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Uh, just so you guys know, I have noticed this before. Because I'm re- when I'm recording the podcast, I'm thinking of everything, I'm reading every single card carefully, I'm reading every single word, I'm thinking about everything. So, sometimes I miss things in the original draft. But, I al- we almost always notice them when I'm going over it for the third time, first time when I'm like originally building it. Then when I'm like looking over what to cut, making cuts, and now is the third time I'm looking at it, so I'm not always perfect. I mean, over time, I've probably only done this four or five times, but it just is better in my opinion to just sneakily put it in the category it should be and just talk about it. Like, it might not be in the exact same order. Like, it might break from alphabetical order in order to talk about it. But I couldn't talk about that category because I'd already gone over it. And I'm on my last category. And I don't really see any reason to try to deceive you. It's just simpler and easier that way most of the time. So, I made a mistake. Just so you know. Uh, That's why I went over Farseek right now. Blizzard is green green for an enchantment, cumulative upkeep too. You can't cast blizzard if you control no snow covered lands. Creatures with flying don't untap during their controller's untap phase. I do have some creatures with flying, but this will uh, affect my opponents much worse than it will me, unless of course I have diamond fairy or Merit Lage token. Both of which are flyers. Both of which are some of my better win cons, so it can definitely hinder my win cons. But it has cumulative upkeep, so I can sack it. It's kind of difficult to use, but eh. Next up is Dead of Winter, two and a black for sorcery. All non-snow creatures get plus x plus n- negative x negative x until end of turn, where x is the number of snow permanents you control. It's just a it's just a wrath. And it also gets non-snow creatures, which is really good. It just means that everything is gonna die that is not mine for three freaking mana. That is so cheap and so effective, and it doesn't even hit most of my creatures. So it's a great wrath. Uh, Drift of the Dead. Also, wraths are really nice to be able to run in this because I have such a limited supply. I usually can't run them. Drift of the Dead is three and a black for defender. Uh, at wall, when Drift of the Dead, Drift of the Dead's power and toughness are each equal to the number of snowlands you control. Uh, and yeah, Uh, Gangrius Zombies is one black, black for creature zombie, two two. Sacrifice gangrius, tap. Sacrifice gangrius zombies. Gangrius zombies deals 1 damage to each creature and each player. If you control a snow swamp, gangrius zombies deals 2 damage to each creature and each player instead. I control 6 snow swamps, so I've got relatively high odds of being able to deal 2. It's also great to be able to get a wrath. Next up is glacial crevices. Glacial Crevices is two and a red for enchantment. Zero. Sacrifice a Snow-Covered Mountain. No creatures deal combat damage this turn. This is quite amazing. Again, I only have six Snow-Covered Mountains, but this is quite good for the mana. Just being able to fog over and over and over again is quite good. Plus, with... Far seek and into the north, and Rampant Growth, I've got multiple ways to grab these lands. So, it's just a good way to be able to fog over and over and over again. Next up is Glacial Revelation. Three, Green Sorcery. Reveal the top six cards of your library. You may put any number of snow permanent cards from among them into your hand. Put the rest into your graveyard. I'm going to get probably 4 or 5 cards off of this. That is so many cards for 3 mana. Even if I only get 3. If I only get 3 cards of this off of this, that is still amazing value. And if it's 2, if it's 2 sometimes, that's not even disappointing. On average, I'm going to get roughly 5. That is just amazing. For the mana, it's just such great value. Goblinski Patrol. 1 in red for a 1-1. One. Fly- 1 red flying plus 2 plus plus 0. At the end of turn, bury it. Uh, use this ability one only once. And only if you control any snow-covered mountains. Um... I'm not sure whether that got eroded to once each turn. Um because only once is quite strange. Nope, it says only once. Um the odds of me having a snow mountain are relatively low. But uh being able to deal damage, it's just better here than it would be anywhere else, really. That's the reason I've got it here, and it's Pretty bad here, but anywhere else it would be much worse. Next up is Carplusen Giant. Carpluzen Giant is six red for a giant. Zero. Tap target snow color covered land you control to give Carplusen Giant plus one plus one until end of turn. And it's a three-three. So because I have 38 snow covered lands, um, that just means that. I can just make it pay 1 mana. I can just pay 1 mana, effectively, to just give Carpalooza and Giant plus 1 plus 1. Next up is Scred. Scred is red for an instant. Scred deals damage to target creature equal to the number of snow permanents you control. It's just removal. Uh, snow Devil is 1 and a blue for an enchantment aura. Enchant Creature. Enchanted Creature has Flying, Enchanted Creature has First Strike, as long as it's blocking and you control a snow land. Next up is Snowblind, Three and a green front enchantment aura. Target creature gets negative star, negative star. When that creature attacks, star is equal to the number of snow covered lands landing player controls. At other times, star is equal to the number of snow covered lands its controller controls. If this reduces the creature's toughness to less than one, the creature's toughness is one. Next up is sunstone. Sunstone is three for an artifact, and it says two. Sacrifice a snow covered land to have all creatures deal no combat damage. N- deal no damage in combat this turn. So this is just a fog for 2 mana that you could do over and over again, and it doesn't even ask me for a specific type of snowland. Just any snowland, so I can sacrifice any land to fog. That is quite good. Next is Viserid Drone. Viserid Drone is 1 and a blue for a 1-2 creature homerid drone. Tap sacrifice a creature and a swamp. Destroy target non-artifact creature. It can't be regenerated. Or tap, sacrifice a creature and a snow swamp. Destroy target creature; it can't be regenerated. So it just makes it a, so it's not not an artifact. It's somewhat useful. I mean, there aren't too many creatures you're willing to sacrifice, but there kind of are. I mean, there, there's no creatures you want to sacrifice, but there's plenty of jank garbage that you don't care that much if it dies. Um. As of the Snow Swamp, you've also got relatively low odds of that working, so you just kind of try and make it work. Um, It's not going to work all the time, but sometimes it will, and when you do, you get a cheap removal spell. Winter's Chill is X in a blue for an instant. Cast only during combat before defense is chosen. At end of combat, destroy X target attacking creatures. X cannot be greater than the number of snow-covered lands you control. For each attacking creature, its controller must pay 1 or 2 to prevent it from being destroyed this way. If that player plays 1, the creature neither deals nor receives damage in combat. If that player pays 2, the creature deals and receives damage in combat as normal. So, it's quite a complicated thing so you cast it during combat before defense is chosen and at end of combat you destroy x attacking creatures you can't pay more than the number of snow covered lands you control and for those attacking creatures for the attacking creatures that you did not for each attacking creature its controller may pay one or two to prevent it from being destroyed in this way if they pay one uh then it just doesn't deal or take any damage and if they pay two it's like you didn't cast the effect it doesn't do anything it's quite a complicated effect um next up is winter's night winter's night is one red green enchant world whenever a snow-covered land is tapped for mana it produces one additional mana of the same type and does not untap during its controller's next untap phase. One of the great things about these effects is it doesn't really matter if your lands don't untap during your next untap phase if you win the game. So you just win because you have so much mana and then you don't really care what happens during your next untap phase. Now, that might be pretty bad advice for this deck in particular, but honestly, this deck seems like it would function. I mean, looking at these cards, sure, they're not playable, but we've got many win conditions. We've got a couple of different roads we can go down in order to deal a lot of damage, in order to win. So, I don't know, I'm somewhat optimistic that that might what actually happens next up is withering Wisp. withering wisps is one black black for an enchantment at end of (sighs) turn at the end of any turn if there are no creatures in play bury withering wisps black uh withering wisps deals one damage to each creature and each player you cannot spend more black in this way each turn than the number of snow covered swamps you control So, it's just a way to wrath. I mean, that's kind of all it is. Woolly Mammoths is one green green for a 3-2 creature elephant. And it has trample as long as you control snowland. That is the deck. We have 38 snowlands, 19 cards that benefit from snow, 29 of both. 30 ramp cards and 10 cards that are just snow. That is the deck we have got. 100 cards clearly. So that's the deck. Um, the idea of the deck is just to play cards with snow and cards that benefit from snow, and just get value. that's kind of all there is to it. All right, it's time to get into the collection statistics. So far, we have gotten through 1,236 cards. We are making progress on this goal. I mean, sure, we have like 20,000 in total, and probably by the time I'm done with this, it'll probably be like 21 or 22,000. So it's sort of like paying, sort of like paying, um interest on your house like you're not really actually making progress you're just paying for the time that you make that it takes you for your inefficiency to pay immediately uh yeah yay i've probably paid off most of my interest that's good i guess uh that's a strange metaphor but you you get the idea all right So, we have an estimated value of $1,484, which, if we remember from last week, we calculated that the average cost of a card is roughly $2.21. So, we are well on track on that. We are quite ahead of the curve, down $1,000. And we've got the uh, Common Uncommon rare mythic distribution. Um, if you remember, we ha- there should be roughly an equivalent number of all of the those, common, uncommon, and rare, and then about an eighth of that number of mythics, but as in the past, I'm doing really well on that, with 513 commons, 402 uncommons, 290 rares, and 31 mythics. So, I have got quite ahead of the curve. Uh, I am going much more conservative than I have to be. Alright, if we look at our color distribution, we are looking somewhat okay. Uh, Again, we still have a huge spike on red, 251. Then we got green, 193. Black, 169. Blue, 169. White, 162. Multicolor 82, colorless 210. So, uh, we need, like, an Esper deck and some green and stuff. Just anything other than red, really, is helpful. Um, and I looked up the color distribution. Uh, it turns out there's about the same number of multicolor cards as there are any one individual color. So I will work on including more multicolor cards, too. Um... As of colorless, that's fine. I think I'll just keep what, doing what I'm doing. But I will probably just come next week and in the future with less red decks. Because it's just got such a huge lead. Even if, I bu- if I'd have to build basically a monocolored deck for each of these colors. I'm basically four, four decks of no red from fixing this d- disparity. That's two weeks. So, I'm just going to try and stay away from red. Um, I'm fine with that. I Honestly, I don't really have a favorite color. I just like combining colors. If somebody told me you have to pick a favorite color, I would choose green. Because it's a great support color. But, alone, I'd probably choose black. Or maybe, you know, no, I'd choose red alone. Um, but... Really, I don't prefer any one color. I just like mixing a lot of colors together. And green helps turbocharge what the other colors are trying to do. Uh, now we are down to the type distributions. We've got 734 creatures, 123 instants, 16- 169 artifacts, 47 lands, get it, 3 planeswalkers, 91 enchantments, 3 tribal and 127 instants that is pretty accurate um that's right around where we should be um, that is the collection statistics we are making progress so next up in category so as i said that fits pretty nicely on the colors we have, all of them are pretty equal on monocolor identity. We have 3,000 for each. We have roughly 2,000 for multicolor, so not quite what I said. It's not quite even. And roughly 2.6 thousand colorless. So I might be a little bit high on colorless. I might want to run a little bit less of that. Uh, also, just a random useful piece of information is if you want to know to properly randomize a commander deck, then you would want to do either a riffle shuffle or a mash shuffle because those are mathematically identical. You would want to shuffle that ten times. Um yeah, that's just useful information. Technically 9.94 times, but it's 10. Part of the Wii. Alright, this week I am analyzing Reap. Reap is one and a green for an instant, and basically you get to return a card from your graveyard to your hand for each black permanent an opponent controls. So basically, What I did was, first of all, I figured out the number of decks that have black in the color identity, and that is 52%. That is quite a large number. Um, honestly, I'm not sure if I'm surprised or not, but that's a number. So that means that 90% of pods, one opponent will have black. Um... And on average, that's gonna be one and a half people will have will have that deck of deck with black. So the next issue was figuring out how many cards in decks are actually black. So what I did was I figured out the percentage of decks. The included black were of each color. So that's one color, 10%, two color, 27%, three color, 37%, four color, 10%, and five color, 16%. Of all cards with black, that's the percentage of, of them that are within that specific color pair. Then I took uh, not that huge of a sample size because I don't want it to take like eight years. But I took a relatively good sized sample size and I figured out how many decks it was in and the number of cards in it were black. So then I averaged that all out, weighting it by the percentage. And holy crap. This card is amazing. Regrowth, if you don't know, is one in a green for sorcery to just return one card to your hand. So, first of all, so there's a 27% chance it's just the same as a regrowth, but instant speed. A 33% chance it's twice a regrowth, but instant speed. A 24% chance it's three times. A 12% chance it's four times, three percent... Five times and a 1% six times. That is an average of 2.34 cards. That is just insane. That is an amazing card and should be in every single commander deck. Do not discount this card. It is amazing. All right, so. I am starting a new segment. Um, it's called the Rule Segment. Uh, I'm, hopefully I'll come with this name, come up with a better name. I'll call it Commander Rules or just Magic Rules. Good name. Insert good name here. Um, so a uh, quick ca- shout out to Commander Social. Uh, it's another podcast. Um, I wanted to do a um rule segment, and they gave me. A good plan, or a good night, a good idea on how exactly to format that. So I just choose a random rule from the comprehensive rules, and I read it and talk about it. What it, what it means? A uh, huge shout out to Commander Social for the Magic the Gathering comprehensive rule. The idea. Uh, 603. 6.3C is, if a triggered ability is modal, its controller announces the mode choices when putting the ability on the stack. If one of the modes would be illegal, due to inability to choose legal targets, for example, that mode can't be chosen. If no mode is chosen, the ability is removed from the stack. So, basically, that just means if your opponents want to react, to your spells to your modal triggered ability then they are going to know what you're choosing that's basically how that works and you also choose targets during that time that's basically the relevant part of that Thanks for listening. You can find my personal architect at i'm a johnny a j o h n n y. You can find my commander quest and with the link in the description below. You can find my commander quest account with the link in the description below or at commander quest. You can see the link to my collection statistics in the description and my website. You can also visit my YouTube channel commander's contingencies also there's a link in the description below I will also post any relevant links such as the decks that I went over or if there's any news I will post links to my source or things that have more information I will see you next week oh there will also be time blocks to tell you what times certain things in the episode are happening.